Welcome to the Girl Get It Together podcast, a self-help podcast for cynics. Here are your hosts, coaches Jess Kay and Sadie B. Well, hello, friend. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Mm-hmm. It's going. Life just keeps on rolling. It you know. does. It does. And it's a beautiful weekend here in Austin, Texas. It is gorgeous. It's not raining on the weekend, and we're very excited. It's like 95 degrees already, which <laughs> is super cool. It's real hot yeah. and real humid. I definitely had to change clothes like three times yesterday because I was so sweaty. Yeah, sweaty, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. fun for me. I know. I know. <laughs> I gotta reinforce everything when I walk the dog now. Like, mm-hmm. gotta be ready for the, the downpour of sweat. Yeah, you gotta wear your like moisture wicking underwear. And- totally, <laughs> head scarf, <laughs> just sunscreen for days. Like, Disgusting. just it's yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. The whole thing. <laughs> I literally got a sunburn in my car today. So uh-huh. summer is here, everyone. Summer! Yay! Um. Awesome. Well, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we will literally <laughs> complain about anything. <laughs> it's too cold. It's too it's hot. Humid. It's I don't too like beautiful. It. Eh, yeah. It's hard for me. Cannot be happy. The sun is shining. It hurts me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> what do you I'm, want? I'm sorry, rest of the world. <laughs> We're terrible. We're terrible people. Worst people. Ugh. Uh. So speaking of managing misery, yeah. uh, today we're talking about um, the difference between coping skills and misery managers. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how much you know about this, but from my perspective, coping skills are really about, um, it's like the, being present. Like you know where you are, you understand that you're in distress or under, you know, too much stress or pressure and you need to take extraordinary measures to deal with that moment, right? right? Right. Whereas misery managers are more about escapism and trying to not feel and and just avoid dealing with reality. Mm, Very familiar with that. (laughs) Right. I know. Me too. I am a pro. So some examples of coping skills, let's start there, would be like if you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling really overwhelmed, uh, you, you're taking a break, taking a walk, uh, giving yourself a minute to breathe. Um, meditation, journaling is, is great for people who kind of need to get out of their head and headspace. Headspace, yoga, seeking mm-hmm. counsel, you know, with a friend or a therapist, just finding somebody to talk it out with. Uh, taking a walk in nature, which works mm-hmm. really well for me. I'm, I'm. That's to me, that's like my instant reset. Right. Uh, scream therapy yes. also works really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, physical exertion, like boxing or running, mm-hmm. dancing, that kind of stuff, like whatever it is, it kind of gets you. One kind of raises your endorphins, but also allows you to kind of diffuse some of that, yeah. uh, uh, like heightened emotion. Um, yeah. And then, uh, misery managers would be like, uh, binge eating, Mm -hmm. um, over drinking or, uh, using drugs, uh, shopping is a big Mm -hmm. one. Spending money. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been guilty of that one a lot lately. Oh yeah. Like I'm (laughs) bored. I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. And I go shopping. And Amazon is right here on my phone. Oh my God. It's the worst. It It used to be like you had to go to Nordstrom. Now you got to 
you know, you can just be like, come to my house, trunk club, bring it to me tomorrow. Thank you, prime. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, this is a big one falling back into bad relationships. Mm. Booty call midnight booty call. Yeah. Terrible ex. Or even uh, like that friend who brings out the worst in you. Like, oh, yeah. I just want to talk shit with somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's Could up? Get loaded, up? A bunch of shit and, <laughs> yeah, excuse each other's bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also using sex as an escape. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, you know, I think that's like there's kind of a line there where it becomes destructive. Yeah. You know, um, shit talking. Yeah. You know, just shit talking other people so that you don't have to deal with your own shit. Um, Constant complaining without uh, any effort to change your reality. Well, I can't change the weather, Sadie. So (laughs) that's true. I did say that that was a grand example of this. (laughs) Um, Overbooking yourself. Mm. Just trying to, you know, cram your schedule so full that you don't have to sit still and, and, be aware of what's happening for you, mm-hmm. what's going on in your life, how you're in distress or, or, you know, whatever is going on for you. And then, uh, the big one for me, certainly, um, binge watching TV, yeah, you know, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, anything resonate for you, not resonate for you? Did you have anything to add? Yeah, definitely. So coping skills, um, this is something I've worked on a lot with, my therapist. Um, and I've found more recently that I'm getting way better at it. So like anytime I'm being triggered by something that is causing me to be unhappy or uncomfortable, um, you know, taking a moment to kind of think good thoughts into it and take a breath Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, if I find myself like talking shit about somebody at work or something like that, like taking a moment and saying, what is this really about? (laughs) And doing a couple of like deep breaths. Um, I've definitely been doing that lately. As far as, um, you know, those misery managers, I am very guilty of the binge watch of the overeating of the, you know, all of those things that when you're doing it, you're like, this is what I want. And this is the only thing that's going to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially like, as I quit drinking over the last year, last six months, I guess, um, you know, instead of coming home and having a glass of wine, I definitely dove right into the sugar when I first quit drinking that first whole month. Like there was a whole incident with like Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, (laughs) I feel you girl. I feel you. Well, so I had bought Reese's peanut butter cups, like probably, I want to say like seven pounds of them in different variations, like Reese's pieces and the minis and like all these different things. Cause I was making cupcakes and kind of got to a place where every day I was eating Reese's for like breakfast. And then mm-hmm. I'd have a few, at, you know, um, and they were just like sitting on our counter. And one day my husband came home and he was like, what are, what's up with the Reese's? Like, what is the deal with these? Are we just, these just live here now or what's going on? And I just burst into tears and I was like, I was just having so much fun with the candy. (laughs) Okay. Well, why don't you save like six of them? And then the rest of them, we'll throw them away. Cause they had not, they had been sitting on that counter for like 30 days at that point. Right. Um, <laughs> so definitely using things like candy, uh, mm-hmm. sugar is a big one for me too. Yeah. Like manage yep. that. I just need a sweet fix. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just need to feel better. And right. it's an instant feel better. You exactly. know, it's like it, it, it shifts everything. But the thing about coping or sorry, the thing about misery managers is, you know, you're doing it when you feel like shit after the good feeling mm-hmm. is gone. Right. Yeah. So and you just compounded the issue you were having in the first place. Exactly. And literally that is pretty much the only thing that has kept me sober for the last six months mm-hmm. is thinking like, I really want a glass of wine right now, but if I have a glass of wine, I'll have another glass of wine. And then yep. I know tomorrow I'm going to be even more miserable and I'm going to be upset with myself. So I really don't want that, you know, and yeah. Yeah. taking that moment, taking that pause to think, what are my healthier coping mechanisms? You know, going for a run, like you said, going for a walk, getting on the phone with a positive person, like, you know, a family member or a friend who you really enjoy speaking with, who doesn't get you all riled up, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think that's a really good one. I just joined um, Orange Theory Fitness, nice, which I'm very pumped about. So I'm hoping that I can start using that as like a coping skills, like going to that instead of binge watching four hours of the act on Hulu, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> yep. What about you? What are some of the things that you've done as misery managers in the past that you've swapped out for coping mechanisms? TV has always been a big one for me since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely the binge eating, you know, yeah. I've been an emotional eater my whole life. And so particularly when I'm in duress, the first thing I want is food, sugar, mm-hmm. fried food, bad stuff, anything that's going to instantly give me that endorphin rush. And then uh, for years and years, it was definitely over drinking. Mm-hmm. and drug use, you know, um, and shopping was a big one for me. Yeah. I absolutely used to use shopping as a misery manager because it just felt so good to spend money and be excited about this new shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you've completely screwed yourself over, you know, <laughs> for the month and what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say for me, like, I think shit talking has been a big one for me in the mm-hmm. past. Like mm-hmm. just, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I will let, let's sit around and gossip about everybody else's problems so that I don't have to think about my own, you know, right, right. or like if I say, if I can just, uh, you know, make myself feel a little bit better by looking down on all these plebeians, then clearly I'm, I'm fine. It's them. You know? Yeah. Right. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, and I think that was a major realization for me whenever I started to understand where that was coming from and why I was doing it. Um, I actually got called out for being mm. such a shit talker um, at a job years ago um, because I was basically using it as a, as a means of like, I think I was trying to like kind of hide, kind of camouflage myself, right? Like I was so unhappy and I was personally struggling with so many things and I felt very uncomfortable in the environment that I was in. Um, And I was using that technique as a way of like trying to push everybody's focus on, you know, whoever else else I could rather than, you know, on myself. And, and it was, it was mortifying, but incredibly humbling. And I, it's one of those things I look back on now. I'm like, God, I'm so grateful that, you know, they had the balls to to mm-hmm. call me on it because I needed to hear it. Yeah. So God. what did they say? Uh, they said, um, the amount of shit talk that you do about your clients and your coworkers is out of, is out of control. Oh my God. And I was sort of taken aback and yeah. she looked at me 
said, yeah, it's really bad. And I, of course, was mortified and defensive, but I went home and thought about it and started, re- you know, realizing that it is, it was a daily thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I loved my clients and I loved my coworkers. It, it really was nothing. The only motivation behind it was just, that's what I was using to, to build myself up. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think maybe in a way it was how I felt like I created connection with people was to like kind right. of conspire. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get, the, like, get your heads together and you're, and you're <laughs> gossiping like grannies. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was a big lesson, a very uncomfortable lesson. So yeah, I think that's such an interesting one. Cause you don't think of that as being a misery manager. Like you think of that as being, you know, certainly an undesirable character trait in, in many people, but I think it's, but why do they do it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if What's you're finding yourself talking shit about somebody a lot, like look at why you're talking shit about them. Or is it because they're reflecting something in you that you don't like about yourself? Is it something that where, you know, you don't have what they have and so you're jealous? I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing to kind of stop and think about. And especially mm-hmm. when I start doing it, I know it's because I'm uncomfortable or I feel intimidated right. or, you know, they're reflecting back at me a deficit. And so, yeah, I always, I always forget about that one being a misery manager, but I think it's really good to stop and think about why am I doing this? I think it's probably the most common Mm -hmm. because it is probably the thing that most people don't give a second thought to. Right. You know? Um, But I also think it's, it's uh, one of those things that is, it becomes an epidemic, mm-hmm. right? If you are in a, a work environment where that is constant around you, um, you're going to pick up that behavior. Right. I actually grew up in a family where it was totally normal to trash talk everybody. <laughs> and I didn't realize that that's what they were doing. It was mm-hmm. just the sense of like, you know, okay, I'm going to criticize everything. Like somebody's going to come in and we're going to have a conversation and they're going to leave the room and I'm going to criticize everything that I can mm-hmm. about them, about that conversation, about whatever. Um, and of course now I can look at that as an adult and say, okay, so this was really coming from a place of probably insecurity, needing to constantly feel better than feel mm-hmm. like they had their shit together and nobody yeah. else did, you know? Um, so to me, that was very normal behavior. It was a very normal interaction. Right. Um, so yeah, to be called out on that and have to really look at where it was coming from for me was big. It was a big deal. Yeah. And just kind of, it's kind of a tangential thing, but I think of friends that I have who have other friend groups with lots of drama Mm -hmm. and how wrapped up in that drama they can get and how they're not happy in it. It doesn't make them happier to be a part of that friend group with all the drama and the gossip and the backstabbing, but to just want to be part of it because it makes you feel better about yourself. And is it really feeding you? I think drama is addictive. Yeah, I really do. I mean, if you think about like, the relationships that you've had in the past that were drama fueled, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're really toxic, just, you know, you have nothing in common but sex and fighting kind of yeah. thing, you know, and those are the ones that like you, you break up and get back together, you break up and get mm-hmm. back together, it just goes on and on. And I think it's because it does, it lights up the brain somehow in a yeah. way that becomes addictive mm-hmm. and it's hard to stop. And so I think that probably applies to drama filled friendships or just, yeah. you know, just those 
groups or, or, or relationships where it's just constant fighting. Mm -hmm. It's constant cattiness, you know, constant, like, ah, I can't believe this. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but, I think that probably is massively addicting. Yeah. Well, and it brings it back to that, you know, going back to old partners who aren't good for you. I mean, that, mm -hmm is definitely a self-soothing thing because you get that fix. You get that addictive yep. fix of like, I know that I get this feeling when I'm with this person and whether or not it's good for me or lasts very long, you know, right. it just feels comfortable for a moment. And, well, and it's like that it's a heightened intensity. So it's yeah. a rush, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a high. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this was eye-opening. Um, <laughs> can you just real quick? One quickly, eye or two? All of them. My third <laughs> eye as well. Um, you went yes. deep. I like mm -hmm. it. I respect right that. Here. Um, <laughs> would you mind just kind of listing the coping mechanisms again so that we know yeah, yeah. these are the healthy things that you should do when you totally. start finding yourself in these misery managers? Yeah, and these were just examples that I came up with because this is stuff that has worked for me in the past. Mm -hmm. There are, I'm sure, a million other things, um, but my list was, uh, you know, recognizing when you're feeling overwhelmed and taking a break, mm -hmm. doing some breathing exercises, uh, meditation, journaling, doing some yoga, uh, talking to a friend, talking to a therapist, getting outside, just being in nature, um, mm -hmm. taking a walk, screen therapy, mm -hmm. uh, physical exertion, boxing, running, dancing, etc. Um, and I've always wanted to go to one of those places where they give you a sledgehammer and you just get to destroy stuff. Yes. That might be an excellent coping skill for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think this, you know, again, the, the major difference here is that, you know, you are with coping skills, you are, you're being present. And then mm -hmm. with misery managers, it really is about escapism. And so the major factor in whether or not you are accessing coping skills or using misery managers is really self-awareness. Right. You have to know what your triggers are and you have to know what your tendencies are in, mm -hmm. in dealing with those triggers and your response to those triggers. And I think once you kind of start to build that relationship with yourself, it becomes easier to catch yourself before yeah. you jump into these misery managers and make a different choice. Mm -hmm. It's habitual like anything. So it takes practice. Right. But, you know, if you could get yourself into this situation where you're binge eating ice cream on the couch watching Netflix every night, you can also get yourself into a different pattern of behavior. Right. I mean, that's well, what I keep telling myself anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you could also say, you know, it is about being aware and knowing your triggers because I could see things like working out becoming an escape at some point too, mm -hmm. if you aren't thinking this is something that's good for me. If you're just using it as escapism, um, I could see that being a problem, you know, um, disordered working sure, out. Sure, the intention behind anything could be right. either healthy or destructive, right? Absolutely. So again, it's that self-awareness. Like if you're aware that you're using this thing to not address something else, right? then yeah, you are, you are practicing escapism. Mm -hmm. If you are using this thing to bring yourself back to a place that you can deal with this something else, mm -hmm. then you're using it as a coping skill. Absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, thank you. That was yeah, good. My pleasure. Um, definitely something to think about as we go into the week and start interacting with people and get out of our little cocoons of our homes. And no, I don't want to hatch from the egg. I don't either. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Heck yeah. What's your intention for the week, my dear? 
Uh, my intention for this week is to, I need to kind of pare down my wardrobe. I've got like a winter wardrobe and summer wardrobe thing going on at the same time. And so, and it's really boring, but I need to clean out my closet. <laughs> That's a real world struggle. It is really. So I need to take everything that I wore in the winter, go get it dry cleaned and then put it away. So yeah. that is my yeah. intention for the week. What about you? Um, well, I, I need to do some socializing mm -hmm. I need to have some fun and like get out of the house and yeah. you know, do something just for the joy of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I need to go and purchase some clothes because oh. I am radically accepting that I have gone up a size <laughs> and I'm torturing myself in clothes that are too small. Yes. I am not a fan of the aspirational clothing. It nope. is not healthy for your it's brain. It's not helpful either. No. It's not. It just takes up space. It just makes you feel bad about yourself. It does. It does. Awesome. Well, um, do you have something in particular that you're going to be doing socially? Uh, I need to go dancing. I haven't been dancing consistently mm -hmm. lately, uh, swing dancing, so I need to get back out there. Um, yeah, I think that's probably going to be going to be it for me. <laughs> it's well, a lot great. of socializing and a lot of interaction in a very small amount of time. So but that takes the care of your social stuff and your just, physical activity. So just check, check all done. Boom. Yep. Done. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us, subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes, also Spotify and Stitcher. Yep. Yep. And if you'd like to, um, you know, interact with us on our Facebook community, it is Girl Get It Together community on Facebook. Share our intentions. We share funny memes. We talk about what's going on in our lives. It's just a really great place to get some accountability or just meet some other pretty awesome ladies. And All right, y'all. We'll take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.